Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck, we are back again. So Christina, I want to talk about your triumph at U.S. Women's Open qualifying. Uh, you were the medalist. You played your way to the Olympic Club, which is which is great news. Um, how many qualifiers have you done in your career? And what is the energy like? I know there's dreamers and there's people just hanging on. There's legit tour players like yourself. Just bring that day to life for us. Well, so let's see. This is going to be my 17th U.S. Women's Open. Crazy to think. I have done... Uh, my first U.S. Open qualifier I ever did, I was 17. I made that. That was over at Lake Merced Country Club. I failed in 2002 and then um, made everyone until like, I think 2014 was maybe my f other 2014. And then I've done, let's see, what, not what? I don't know. I've done maybe five U.S. Open qualifiers. And this is the third of the five that I've made it through by way of sectional qualifying. And they, it is such a slog for so many reasons. And now that I think about it, I always joke that I'm a fair weather golfer. The three U.S. Women's Opens that I've gotten into by way of qualification, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it would be sufficient to say that it was shitting down every single one of those. I, I was the medalist when we were in Baltimore. I shot six under in the two rounds and pretty much waxed the field. My very first one, I mean, Lake Merced, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's that, that micro ecosystem, even though, you know, you could drive five miles, um, you know, inland or South or North or whatever, and you'll see blue skies and, you know, it'll be fresh and everything, but Lake Merced is just this heavy air dank. It's almost always a little bit drizzly. It's absolutely gorgeous, of course. But, um, and then this week here in Boston, I mean, it was May in Boston, which I, I, I kind of sat there and I was like, well, it could be 75 degrees and absolutely gorgeous, or it could be exactly what I dealt with, which was high forties. It might've crept into like 52 degrees at one point throughout the day. Um, beautiful old Seth Rayner golf course over at Dedham Polo and country club. I'm a huge Seth Rayner fan. Two of the three courses I did qualify at were, were Rayner, um, design golf courses and is just a slog you've got like you play your first round then they're like all right you're teeing off in like anywhere from like 20 to 35 minutes i started on the back nine and it's one of those great courses where it goes out and then back in so i had to take a cart to the 10th tee which means i had to take a cart from the ninth hole back to the clubhouse was starting again on one and so had about 20 minutes between rounds um i had roasted some brussels sprouts and uh, cooked up a ribeye for dinner the night before and only ate maybe like a third of it. And so I had that just straight up inhaled it, uh, cause I brought that and left that in the car for, for lunch between the rounds. And so had like cold sort of congealed Brussels sprouts and a little bit of steak, which again, it's like, it's hard to complain because I'm, I'm doing better than, you know, the people that are like, oh yeah, I had to spend 22 bucks or whatever it was on a, on a, a shitty pack lunch or whatever. You know, I don't even know what, I'm sure the course they provided a nice meal, but it was like, you know, you, you ate what they gave you kind of thing. And I'm like, I'm going to do my best to control everything within my, within my situation that I can. And so had a nice, you know, nice little meal in the car, had the heater turned up the entire way. And then basically, um, just rolled up to the first tee and then just went and played the second round. And 
I was a little, I'm not going to lie, I was a little discouraged because I, I, I'd seen that there was a girl that I shot five under and I shot one over in the first round. And generally, you know, you think, okay, first round, you go out there, you make as many birdies as you can. And then if anything, you're just going to try and white knuckle it for the final round and just try and, you know, obviously keep going as, as much as you can. You are going to start feeling it, you know, as the round, as the rounds go on. And, and I kind of went around it and did it backwards where I actually had more energy and more, I mean, I knew what the hell I was doing in the second round. At least it was, it was definitely a little bit of a struggle during that first round. It was, it was cold. I was probably swinging about six miles an hour slower. You're wearing layers and, um, you know, you got rain gear on and everything. Did you get to play a practice round ahead of the qualifier? Yes. So uh, let's see. The week before the qualifier, so last week I was doing PJ Tour live commentary. And so, because people were like, what are you doing in Boston? And I was like, look, the first week that we had qualifiers available to us, I was doing PJ Tour live. And I was like, and theoretically, I could fly down to, say, Florida or California or something like that and get in a. Um, you know, a qualifier there, but I was like, I've been sitting on my buttocks and I got one range session during the entire week. So I'm going to need a little bit of time. And so I was like, well, I could fly down somewhere Monday and then get in a practice round and then tee it up on Tuesday. And cause I think there were, there were a couple of qualifiers on Tuesday, but I, I saw there was, there was one qualifier in Massachusetts on Wednesday. And I said, okay, this allows me to fly in on Monday, decompress get a practice round in on Tuesday, which I did, and then go out and play on Wednesday. And so for me, that just ended up being the perfect, um, you know, formula for me. Cause I mean, there were a bunch of people that were like, dude, what are you, why are you in Boston of all places? And I'm like, dude, I love Massachusetts. I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also something to the fact where a qualifier in Florida or California is probably going to be more heavily concentrated with, with tour players, right? Like you, you, if you go to a far flung, event, the demographics changed a little bit. I mean, did you feel like you were a little bit of a bigger fish in a smaller pond there? Well, I mean, you could look at it that way, the way that I see it, you know, you're going to have stronger fields in California and Florida, theoretically. Um, that being said that you're not going to have as many spots. So, um, you know, we, we only had two spots at, at our uh, qualifier. There were a couple of places that had like five or something like that. And I saw some of the names that were in the fields for those five spot um, qualifiers. And I was like, huh, maybe I should have gone there. But it was just at the end of the day, it was it was all what ended up working out by way of um, my scheduling. That was first and foremost. And then secondly, yeah, I mean, someone can sit there and say, you know, think that Boston's not going to have as strong of a field. But if you're sitting there and you're shooting 137 in two rounds, like you still have to get your golf ball in the hole pretty damn quickly. And um, there were actually originally a number of players that were in the field and up until I think a week ago, Mass Golf had said, listen, by way of our state's regulations, you're going to have to play your qualifier with your mask on. And there, I, there were then a couple of girls, and I think all of the numbers had already been allocated at that point. And a couple of the girls I knew, they were like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go and play in a mask. And I'm like, well, it's, I mean, chances are it's going to be cold anyway. So you're going to have like a neck gaiter. You're going to have something. You're going to be covering most of you anyway. You're going to be in a rain suit. You're going to be wearing pants. Like what's like four more inches covering your face. <laughs> and so I know of a couple of girls that withdrew. And then last week, 
they, the Mass Golf, um, just like the Massachusetts Golf Association, they sent an email and said, you know, because of everything that the CDC had stated, we're going to lift the mask mandate on the golf course during the qualifier. And I was like, all right, well, I mean, because I'm the kind of person I'm like, it, anytime I make a decision, I, I sit there and I say, captain's going down with the ship. Like, I, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of changing plans and you know i will change plans if i have to but if it's something where it's like well it's okay i have to wear a mask okay i've been doing it for you know the better part of 14 months as it is anyway so what's the big difference it's just that you're doing it on the golf course hyoju kim just won in singapore with like i mean i don't know if there might have been like five combined inches of skin that you saw because she was wearing long Not pants, long sleeves. Like she had the whole thing going, glasses on, hat. Like you you, you almost couldn't tell who it was. And I was like, oh, I know those ears. I know those ears. Also, you can see Hyoju Kim whenever they had the, uh, the, the, the name showing up in the telecast. Yeah, that's fine. So in the end, how many, how many players are competing for those two spots? I don't know. There might have been four, about 40 players. Because um, yeah, I'm not really like. the kind. Yeah, I'm not really the kind to sit there and like scour the, the tea sheet and be like, oh, okay, well, I know that she, you know, goes to, you know, the University of Virginia or she goes here or she goes there. I'm just like, all right, we got homies that are going to be playing golf. Like, okay, I, I don't care if there's one other person or if there's 143 other people. Like, my, my plan is to play my best, wish them to play their best and just hope that my best beats their best. Um, because yeah. you know, those are, you know, I, you sit there and it's like, okay, well, like any given tournament week, that's 143 other people whose lives you can't control. You can only control what it is that you do on the golf course. Yes. But so you start playing, you start playing well in that second round and you're getting it under par. I assume there's not really any scoreboards out there. I mean, do you, did you, as you're playing your final nine holes, do you now have a target number? Do you feel like, do you start holding on? Like you said, get that white knuckle feel and like, I think I'm in, I'm not sure. Like as as this, as you start going lower, um, how does how does that change your approach and, and, and just your energy out there? To be honest, it really didn't because I sat there and I said, you know, for the most part, if I can shoot under par and when it's shitting down on us and the temperatures are dropping and you know there's water everywhere, although. Side note, Dedham Polo and Country Club has a sub air system built in, which was super cool. It's only the second golf course I've ever played with sub air. Um, no, like, you know, getting outside of yourself and doing anything other than the task at hand, like that does, that, that's a waste of energy, which you're already, you know, in having to play with depleted resources as it is coming down the stretch. And I sat there and I said, well, shit, if I'm a couple under, then everyone else probably is but you know and yeah i started sh six shots back you never know what's going to happen like and at the end of the day like i'm i'm not going to give up i'm not going to be one of those players that's like you know i saw that i was six shots out of the lead after the first round and then immediately withdraw like i i was about to say i'm not here to judge other people that do that i'm gonna judge the shit out of you like if you have a task complete it you know, like, don't, yeah. don't sit there and, and, and just be like, oh, you know, there's no chance. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you can shank it. You can hole out, too. Right. Well, that, I mean, that's like when you see those, the PGA Tour Monday qualifiers, someone starts off bogey bogey and they just walk off the course. They're like, yeah. oh, forget it. And that's only <laughs> I mean, the guys that, who scores you know of. The number of guys that are like, I ain't giving you my card and just walk yeah. off. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Like the number of times I was like, you know, 
because we always say the, the birdie on the first hole is the kiss of death because you have to back it up. Otherwise, there's this like mental thing where you're like, oh, son of a bitch, I birdied the first hole. Um, you know, so if you either don't have a good up and down coming in or you make a bogey before your next birdie, a lot of times we call that the kiss of death. Well, if you bogey the first hole, you're just like, dude, this is great. Like now I don't have to worry about a, a, a bogey free round. Just go balls out and just see how many birdies I can make. I, like, the number of times where it's like, I've got friends that'll shoot, you know, nine under with two bogeys, you know, especially sure. at my course over at Orange Stream. Like, dude, don't, what? That's just something that is not built into me. Uh, I love that. So uh, we've talked about this a little bit already. It, your inability to get into some tournaments earlier in the year. I know it's been frustrating. So you, you, no, you get not frustrating it, at all. Not frustrating. Okay. It's frustrating for me. You're just rolling <laughs> with it. But I'm frustrated. But, uh, you know, there, there's obstacles to, to teeing it up. And so you, you make it through. You come off the course. Your score is good enough. How elated are you? Not only to have played well in those conditions, but you've just kicked down the door at the most important tournament of the year. I mean, that must just feel absolutely great. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I I finish my I, I finish my round. I, I we go over the scores. I attest them. We're in like the tented area where you know we're we're basically you know stuck in like cattle. I've got my mask on, and you know they're typing in the scores or whatever. And I was a second to last group out. And so there was a group behind me as well as the people on the other side, which is like an eight minute cart right away. And they sit there and they do the scores and they're like, okay, they're like, yeah, good round today. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm proud of myself because I, I, I got up and down for par on the last two holes. And so I was like, you know what? I did everything I could, like whatever happens, happens. And they looked at me and they're like, you're probably going to want to stick around. And there was like mm -hmm. a tiny part of me that was like, uh, it'll be so crushing to find out that I'm like first alternate or I have to go into a playoff or the second alternate spot or whatever. But I was like, I did everything I could. And all I did was focus on the task at hand for myself and just let everyone else do what they were going to do. And having the experience that I have, you know, AKA I'm old. I was like, you know, I, I, I knew, I know what it's like to be coming down the stretch in those situations. And, you know, birdieing the 34th hole was ultimately like the, 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 the best thing that I could have done and getting up and down from some pretty ridiculous places. The last two holes were those, those things were super satisfying. And so, you know, 45 minutes later, because again, they were, you know, miles away and having to to drive a cart back you know I, i'm just sat there and i'm like i don't want to look at the scores i don't want to look at the scores because there's nothing i can do at that point like you did your best and then whatever happens happens and they um uh the people with mask off they come up to me and they hand me the card that says you know congratulations on qualifying for the u.s open and then they also handed me a, a little wooden box which i have in my purse that has the medalist um, coin there and they're like your co-medalist and I was like I, I'm pretty sure I was like bitch what <laughs> and I was I mean I I must have I must have leapt about four feet in the air which is like crazy tall for me <laughs> and I, I I was just you know dancing on 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 my two feet and I I I I may or may not have swore um, you know, like well, at the top of my lungs when I knew that golf was completed. So it's, it's not like I was going to be interrupting anyone else. And I, I, I cried 
Like I was like, I was like, I'm going to, I was so strong. I was just like, so focused, so driven. Like you can't, nothing is going to happen until they give you a yes or a no, or they tell you what your next step is. And when they did, like, I mean, it was like, it was the closest thing that I will ever experience to my water breaking, I think. And it was just like, <laughs> I just started crying. And, um, my caddy, Patrick Loper, who he, funnily enough, he is friends with, uh, a friend of mine who plays on the Corn Ferry Tour over at Orange Tree at my golf course here in Orlando. And caddy for him in his, his rookie year. Um, I, I mean, he was just like, we were both just so elated because I was like, I would have felt like such a shit bag if it ended up not being enough because you sat there and you, you dragged my ass around for 36 holes in the pissing down rain and it was cold and there was like a, you know, there was a, uh, not a significant breeze, but it was breezy, which made things feel even colder. And, you know, he's just like, he was an absolute rock star. <laughs> That's great. Well, and of course, this U.S. Women's Open means even more to a Northern California girl like yourself because mm -hmm. it's an O Club. And, you know, the Olympic Club is such a great venue and it's in San Francisco, as everyone knows. Like, to, it would have felt really bad to, to miss out on that party. Like, how much more significance does it have to you to get to, to play in, in this of all women's opens? Well, yeah, if I, were, if I were a liar, I would say it wouldn't have mattered to me. Um, you know, ever since I played in my first U S women's open as a, you know, uh, rotund little 17 year old girl with golf sandals and spiky hair and hemp necklaces and plastic beaded bracelets and everything. I, I, this has always been the greatest tournament for me and understanding the significance of it being my national championship. It's, it's always been the tournament that you wanted to play in. And so to be able to, you know, being born and raised in San Jose, funnily enough, never played Olympic, like the number of courses, number of great courses in NorCal that I like never played. Cause it's one of those things like now I live in Orlando and since moving here, haven't been to any of the theme parks. Cause I'm always like, well, it's right there. I can go anytime kind of thing. Um, but for, for me to be able to play at Olympic club in, in, in Northern California, especially with, you know, all of the storied history and, and just to being my national championship is it, it, it meant a lot more to me than I realized or that it meant more to me than I allowed myself to think at the time. So I'm guys is pumped. <laughs> it's really pure. So I was there for uh, media day very recently. Humble brag. Well, no, listen, if you saw all the schmoes who got invited to media day, you would know there's no bragging and they took any, <laughs> any warm body they could find and like cycled them through there. It was heavy on the riffraff, but, uh, you know, I hadn't been, I hadn't been on the grounds in a good long while. And it, the course looks fantastic. They, as a lot of these great old citadels, they've removed a, a lot of the trees and well, mm -hmm. I love Cypress trees and they're so evocative and beautiful. It really has opened up the vistas and, uh, it was very much felt like you're playing in these, in these corridors, uh, before, and now there's just a more sense of, of freedom and, and you can you can you have you have views across the golf course and even of of the skyline that, that weren't there before and it just looks fantastic. So it you know it, it's a it's the quintessential U.S. Open venue in that it just kicks you in the groin eighteen times in a row, like every hole. It's just a relentless golf course, and you know, everyone knows it's built on the side of a mountain. So you've got all these funky stances and and these reverse camber dog legs and. Um, 
It's not a course I'd want to play every day. I mean, I'd much rather play Cow Club or San Francisco Golf Club or maybe even Lake Merced, uh, you know, which is in the same pocket as San Francisco. But as a championship venue, as a test of golf, it's, a, it's an A+. And as, as you noted, there's, there's fantastic history. So uh, I'm so glad you're going to be there. I'm going to be there, too. I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be a it's going to be a great week for women's golf because I really feel like when when you guys get to play these storied venues that have hosted a lot of major championships for the dudes, uh, of course it elevates the event. Like you know what makes Stacy Lewis's victory at the old course so meaningful? She birdied the road hole. That's all you have to say. You know that 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 any golf fan knows the meaning of that. You birdie the road hole to win the Open. Like that's macho and. Uh, and again, so now you're going to walk the same fairways that, you know, where Ben Hogan crumbled, and you know, um, there's it's just it's just cool. So I, it, I think it's great for the championship. Obviously, it's a thrill for the players, and it's going to be a heck of a week. Uh, when 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 you when you look, when you look at the landscape of women's golf, is 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 the U.S. Women's Open still the, the championship that that means the most? I I I would say my my initial reaction is yes because it's it's your net it's as an american um that's your national championship so yes i i will admit the kpmg women's pj championship that is making a like a surge it is they're not i i just by way of the nostalgia for me and the history for me they're not quite neck and neck yet but the KPMG Women's PGA Championship is a pretty hardy contender when it comes to, um, you know, fantastic venues, courses that have so much history and, you know, barrier-breaking um, golf courses and, and, and having, obviously having, you know, it's like you said, there you're like, well, you have the USGA and then you have the PGA of America. You have like the two biggest organizations in golf here in the United States that are uh, basically going head to head to try and be the best major. So it's, it's, it's a pretty awesome battle that I get to kind of, you know, sit back and reap the, reap the rewards from. <laughs> so this was interesting at, at media day at Olympic club, uh, Michelle, Wee was one of the featured attractions. She's, she's now a San Francisco resident and obviously a U.S. open champion. And um, it was fun to hear her uh, reflect on, how the city's embraced her and, and what, what that championship has meant to her career. And it, it got me thinking about Michelle because, you know, she's been, she has a high profile of doing the TV gigs and she designed the hoodie. I roll. And um, so, but I was thinking about Michelle who's, who's now a mom and seems like she's sort of transitioning into a different part of her life and how to assess her career. And if I have to put you on the spot, what, what grade do you give Michelle Wee's golf career? Okay, so just so you know, the eye roll that I did was in response to your eye roll because (laughs) we're going to get into that as well. Um, Now, if I want to grade Michelle's career, what? What? Come at me. Come at me. No, okay. Let's finish the Michelle and then we'll we'll do hoodie content. Let's go. Okay, sure. Yeah, I would give Michelle's career an A. Like at the end of the day, people will sit there and say, oh, did you see the swing that she had when she was 12 years old? Of course, obviously. It was perfect. She lost a ton of weight. She went through, I guess she was going through puberty at the, you know, when, when she was 12 years old and all of that. 
things change, your life changes. She incurred her first significant injury when she was 16 years old. Um, you know, she, her, her career has been rife with injuries. She's always had that competitor's heart and soul. And she's never, um, she's never stopped having the passion for the game. And for me, knowing Michelle on a very, very personal level and having watched her, um, you know, the, her, her entire career. And even before that, like, I think when, I think for me having been so intimately, like not involved necessarily, but just being, you know, there on the, on the sidelines with her being there, uh, to shower her with champagne in, in, you know, so many of her victory, you know, in three of her victories, like you sit there and it's like, nah, dude, like that just shows how hard this game is. Um, it does, in my opinion, magnify just how inc much more incredible Tiger's career has been so far. Um, and it's not easy to win. People can sit here and, and, and I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to outwardly judge people, but it's so easy to, to be a backseat driver when it comes to golf. Like, you know how hard the game is at your level and you, you, you know, and by you, I don't mean you, Alan Shipnuck. I'm saying just people in general. Like, you know at your own level how hard the game is. And then when you have fewer strokes to improve upon, that means that the, um, you know, every stroke accounts for that much more. And to be able to have a career where you are a major champion, like for me, in and of itself, that give, that allows the player to have an A in their career. And to have multiple championships, to be able to win in your home state, I think that is huge. Um, and to do all of that while under constant scrutiny and to have been under constant scrutiny since you were 12 years old, like you, no one knows anyone else's story. So it's very easy to sit back and, um, you know, make these assessments when it's like, you have no idea what really goes into being on tour, what goes into um, contending in a tournament. Like I just had some bro that like t tweeted at me like late last night and was like, when was the last time you won on the LPGA tour? And I replied and I was like, November, 2014. What about you? You, you sit here and it's like, you know, it, it, there's a part of me that's like, again, it shows just how incredible Tiger's career has been so far. And, and obviously someone, you know, uh, like Kathy Whitworth, Annika Sorenstam, all these, all these careers have been, so amazing but when when you're actually in it like these are these are truly once in a lifetime careers that you've been able to um bear witness to and well, see, to that, do that so I, many times is see, is pretty incredible i agree with that and i feel like michelle had a chance to have one of those careers because everybody had a chance Yes, in theory. But, I mean, I got to watch her play a lot when she was a teenager. I was at the Sony Open. I went out to that pub links when she was trying to make a run at the Masters. It, it was like a disaster movie. All these cars parked around the side of the road for like a mile because this golf course had no parking. And everyone ran out there to watch her play when she got, you know, she had a That's chance awesome. to really do it. It was awesome. It was it was, it was an unforgettable scene. And it wasn't just that she had an aesthetically pleasing swing. And it might be the most gorgeous swing I've ever seen when she was a teenager. But she could do things to the golf ball that nobody on the LPJ could do. I mean, the distance she was hitting it, the shots she had, um, it was just completely next level stuff. And, um, and so she won five times, obviously winning the U S open at Pinehurst is epic. 
had some great runs in the Solheim Cup. I mean, that 99.9% of female professional golfers would take that career. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, um, and you know, potential is a funny thing. I mean, what, what is what is potential? What is talent? Like, those words are hard to, um, they're really hard to quantify. And, but she had unlimited potential and mind-blowing talent. And, you know, we could all see that. And it just... She never quite got to that that level. I mean, I, so if I had to if I had to give her a grade, I'd give her a B. I'm a tougher grader than you are, but I will say this: as a human being, I would give her an A plus. I mean, she did she did get a Stanford degree in the middle of all of that. Yeah, she has she's a very well rounded, very talented person. You know, has all her does her Archie stuff on the side. I mean, I've seen her paintings, which are really incredible. Um, happily, you know, married and a mom, and now she's she's doing TV like. I think I think she's had a, a, a she's a great human being and she's 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 great at life. But I just feel like the golf career just didn't didn't quite it just wasn't what it could have been. And you can say that for every player except for the you know Kathy Whitworth. But uh, I mean, I'm sure Kathy would sit there and say that same thing could technically yeah. apply to her. And you yeah, know what, funny. like it's it's great i i'm i again i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna be a total bitch unless you've been there and unless you've been through it like there's only so much like as intimately and and as knowledgeable as you are because again you are one of the ogs and you've seen so much and you've been granted access to places that so many more uh people in the media have not been able to access at at, at the cost of uh you know some of those decisions there there may have been a bit of punishment as a result of it but you know you got to respect the uh got to respect the hustle you don't know you know at the end of the day you don't know and and on top of that yeah of course you had one of the one of if not the most beautiful swing that i've ever seen and not for a girl not for a 12 year old like full stop period and that just shows again how incredible this game is how incredible life is like life happened and what ends up happening is what you know you're going to come into situations and what, what are you going to do with those decisions you know and you know there's no way we could ever take anything away from his career but you know realistically you look at you look at tiger and at what price Oh, for sure. To I go mean, through I, what he did, you know, and, and the fact that she was, you know, because the fact that you're able to get, give her, say, a B for her golf career, which is well within your right to do, because that's your opinion, and an A plus in, in life, like, what would the grades that you, what are the grades you'd give Tiger? I would give Tiger an A minus for his career, which is a joke, because it's the greatest career of all time. But, I mean, he, he lost 10 years of, of, his career to scandal and injury and addiction, like as, as phenomenal as Tiger's career is, uh, he was his own worst enemy in a lot of ways. So life, I'd probably give him a C plus, you know? Uh, oh, you're, oh, so you're going to be generous to the guy for everything well, that he went through, everything, you know, I mean, the, the when it comes to, uh, let's and let's compare ages. When when Tiger was uh, thirty one, how would you have compared his golf career to his life? What kind of grade would you have given him there? Like what well, you know? It, there's there's that, there's that balance. Yeah, I mean, at thirty one, it's a plus career and probably a plus life because we didn't know everything. He seemed happily married and he had kids. Yeah, and, but that's what I'm saying. You if know, you knew what was actually happening, what was going on, and none of us maybe ever will. Yeah, but no, that's so the thing. But even your point about Michelle is, 
we can't know all her private struggles and for sure she was under an obscene amount of pressure and scrutiny for a teenager and i think she probably has some legit you know ptsi from from all of that because i i I saw the strain i'm up close but um, golf is a meritocracy and ultimately you're graded on your scores and your results and uh, so uh, for that that's what I'm, I'm basing on it, it you're right there's there's everything that goes into that and, and all the private struggles and and all of the the stuff you have to deal with off the course is, is going to shape those results but uh you know for 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 the player that michelle was briefly and could have been i i can't i, I can't i can't give her the a i'm sorry like no just, oh god don't apologize um, see that that shows to me a little bit you're 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 looking at it a little bit more, objectively a objectively. bit more objectively yeah, i was going to say yeah. more one-dimensional um <laughs> that by that that sounded that sounded more that sounded less positive than the way that i was trying to trying to say it you know because yeah. again as as someone that's lived through a tour life and everything you're kind of going down that dangerous path of something that i learned a long time ago that Someone's self-worth has nothing to do with the scores that they shoot. And you can go out there and you could have the best ball striking day of your life and not make a single putt. Or you can go out there and you could fart around for 36 holes and shoot 137 in those two rounds like I did on Wednesday. You know, like there's no, um, it's, 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 there's, I, I look at, golf as being inextricably tied to life and there's this ethereal quality to the two that they merge together and everything so you know I, I i look at it in a slightly from a slightly different plane than you would i guess is the way that i yeah. would put it you know well for sure i mean you're you're living it and um i'm observing it and to your point about the random twitter bro getting up in your business you know that's obnoxious my job literally is to pass judgment on what's happening in the game. And, <laughs> um, and it comes from a, a place of a little more information and, and access and, and, you know, there's, I've been doing it for a long time. So I'd say my, my opinion has a little more weight than, than whoever's up in your, in your mentions, but. Oh, you know, sweetheart, like, no, you're, you guys are in different universes. Trust me. I promise. Sorry but, to interrupt. But, yeah, no, but ultimately, I mean, I'm an outsider looking in and you're on the, you're on the other side of the rope. So we're going to see things a little differently. And I think that's what adds a little fun friction to this whole bit. What would you give? What, what's, what's your grade for tiger in life? So the only thing, so his grade, his, his golf game, I would give 96%. I would give mm-hmm. him a very, very solid a, um, his life. I would probably give him, I probably, again, I don't know is, is part of the thing. So it's hard for me to judge. I can judge Michelle because I lived through it. I was with her for a lot of it. Just based off of what I've read and what people have said, the only reason why I'm not going to give him a failing grade is because of how amazing his kids are and how amazing a father he is to them. You know, and like I've been told, even though I didn't go to college, C's get degrees. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was that informed my thinking and the fact that uh, 
he's somehow survived all of this. Like, I mean, the, the guy's been through hell and back a couple of mm-hmm. times and yeah. he, he's, he keeps going and he's, you know, the philanthropy and the, the, he's, he's still making a meaningful impact. But as I think about it, I probably have to downgrade it to maybe a C minus because <laughs> like, God, he's just his own worst enemy. And yeah, um, but again, I mean, at the same time though, it's like you sit here and it's like, you know, cause, and, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say, what he did was this or what he did was that I'm again, I'm not one that enjoys dwelling in the past. I'm much more focused on the present and the matter, the, the truth of the, of the matter is that he's, you know, seemingly an incredible father to, to his kids, supremely engaged, has an adorable dog. And I think that I am such a huge fan of, um, redemption. So I am not a fan of canceling people. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for acknowledgement of when you fuck up, you fuck up. And trying to better yourself and seeing how far you can go by way of improving upon yourself. But, and as much as I can, you know, be discouraged by the actions someone's taken or words that they have said or actions that they have done. If they're able to learn from that and turn it around, like, you know, the, the hardest, the, the most important lessons in life are the ones that are learned through pain and are hard fought. So, um, you know, this is, this is, this grading system is, you know, we're just, we're just at a certain point in the grading period. This isn't going to go into the, into his, um, uh, permanent record, if you will. And <laughs> neither will it go in the permanent record of Michelle either, you know? I mean, it's a great point. They both have a, a lot in front of them. I mean, Michelle, she may get rejuvenated and she may have a whole second act to her playing career. Who knows? And we don't know what, what Tiger's going to do from here either. So that's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. They, in some ways, they've, there's parallels between the two of them as mm-hmm. far as the amount of scrutiny they had as teenagers and the obstacles they've they've faced and how they've had to reinvent themselves a few times. And they're certainly two of the most compelling, you know, golfers of our lifetimes. And, um, you know, ultimately I root for both of them because as you said, they, they've been through a lot of stuff. I mean, it's, and it's the human element. Very different. First of all, we have to make sure very different. There are so many different ways where you can go through a lot of stuff. Very, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a catch all for sure. But, um, you know, it's the human element that makes the the athletic competitions compelling, right? I mean, that's that's uh, as you say, redemption is is the oldest story in sports, and it's not that you can redeem yourself if, if by winning a trophy and that makes everything better, but it does show a certain amount of, of strength and and a depth of character, and you know, I mean, I was I was at Augusta in 2019, and the feeling in the air was was just incredible, and. Uh, why were people rooting so hard for Tiger? You know, I think before he was he was a revered figure, uh, and I, I was at all his Masters wins, and there was a there was a sense of awe, um, and all of a sudden he was kind of beloved, and pe- there was a different feeling of of people wanting and needing to see him do that because they could relate to everything he'd been through, uh, and and he was so much more human, and mm-hmm. you know the 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 flaws, I mean. And again, when I say past judgment, it's not, it's not, it's not that I'm being judgy. Like, uh, you know, 
if, if you give anyone the amount of fame and money that Tiger had in, in their early 20s, they, they could easily go off the rails. And I'm sure mm-hmm. I would have, too. Uh, so it's not that uh, it's not that uh, I'm, I'm saying he's a bad human and he's beyond redemption. But I mean, judging just from the standpoint of, you know, that's where, where they fall in 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 uh, the, the the hierarchy of golfers and in their places in history like that. That's where that's that's where it's interesting. But. Uh, you know, I think I think golf fans root for both of them because of the struggles. You, you look at someone like I don't know, say Kari Webb, who was just this, and Kari is super cool personality, and everyone loves Kari, but she was just this this Terminator, and it was just relentless excellence, and we never really were led into her life that much for, as as observers, and so uh, she never had the the lows that that the fans could connect with. It was just this straight upward climb and uh, as, as a golfer definitely an a plus as as a human it's it, it's like incomplete you know it's, it's like it's hard to it's hard for the average speaking as an average fan i don't think they really knew her or could relate to her and they admired her golf and but they just didn't really have a feeling for her as a person and uh, but so, isn't that how people view tiger for a very long for, part of his career when he was at, at the top of his game as well you know, obviously, I mean, again, no, no, that's like where the comparisons end again, you know, nothing, yeah. nothing like that. But, you know, I mean, and, and then Kari did come out and talk about, um, you know, some of the struggles that she's been through with, you know, some of the abuse that she had undergone and things like that. Like it's, it, it's, it's it, it, the, the human element, I think is a thing. Like, I think it's kind of what you were, you were, you were getting at is the human element is a thing that makes, like, you can sit here and you can revere someone. But when they show their humanity and their reality, that's when you really, you don't root for the athlete. You root for the human being. Yeah, yeah. No, you know? that's, what, that's what makes sports meaningful. I mean, again, it's like, what, why are the, the 1997 and the 2019 Masters, why are they, they going to be linked forever in people's minds? It's those hugs behind the green. And it's it's Ben Crenshaw doubled over on on the final green in '95. You know the weight of having buried his mentor, and it it's Phil hugging Amy in 2010, and you know the tear streaming down his cheek as she's battling cancer. Like those are the the moments that endure more than any one shot or any one victory. I mean it's 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 what it's what you had to overcome in in your own life, and so um, it's 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 an, it's just such an interesting part of sports because. Uh, their the performance as an athlete versus the life you lead in some ways uh, folks want to separate them but they're inextricably linked and mm-hmm. it affects the players it affects the fans and uh, so it's, it's a fine balance for for the athlete you know how much do you want to let people in and and make them aware of your struggles and make yourself vulnerable uh, versus presenting this this facade of this 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 gritty competitor and um the yeah, brand. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's fascinating, and that, that's the challenge of my job is is to to get beyond the, those surface stories and, and figure out you know who these people are and, and help fans connect to them, and uh, and it's it certainly becomes more challenging now as you know social media has allowed the, the player to connect with fans in a different way, but how authentic is it? You know, is that, is that really who they are or is that a, a prepackaged version of themselves? And, uh, so, so unwrapping all these different layers is, is a really interesting part of, of being a reporter, but also being a sports fan 
and how you, how you how you feel about a player and it's a challenge for the the player themselves and I have to tell you that like how are you going to present yourself publicly and how much do you let people in and and all that so it's it's just it's one of the the interesting parts of of the sports industrial complex I think is is how all these these different factors uh, are are interplaying at any given moment oh no question I mean that's the thing is is the way I view social media media is you have you have two camps. You have the players that have truly embraced it. And so it's almost like social media has become a platter for you to say, for me, I sit here and oftentimes um, like the, and again, we'll, we'll get into it in a, in a, in a later episode, but you know, my health, uh, my mental health struggles and everything that I went through and um, my my depression that I still battle with and this and that. Like, you know, I, I first started off with a, a blog post about it and then, you know, talked about it a bit on social media. Still talk about it every single day. Talked about it with my caddy in the U.S. Open qualifier, actually, which um, I actually think was quite helpful just to kind of go back and remember, you know, where I was and reinvigorated me to make sure that I was like, yeah, I'm getting dumped on and it's freezing and this is just amazing and then you know so you have the the ability to have social media be there so you can tell your own story and you could lay yourself bare to people if if that's what you want to do which is something that i would say i prefer doing and then you have the other end of the spectrum where social media has turned something that could be so precious and so incredible which is every single individual person and then social media has turned into the bubble wrap so all of a sudden you can see it but it's got another layer of inaccessibility which really pisses me off i i i hate i hate branding and i hate like the image and all of that stuff like you know just be proud of who you are if you're a dick Go ahead and embrace it. If you're a good person, <laughs> thank God. But just make sure that you maintain being a good person. That's my biggest pet peeve is people who are dicks but want to want to trick you into thinking they're nice. Like just be, as you say, pick, Own pick it. one camp. <laughs> pick, Own pick it. A, pick a side. <laughs> um, you know, we've we've touched on this before. The, the next episode we do uh, in this, we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about mental health and really really. Uh, give that the proper airing that it needs. We we've we've teased at it, but it's it's time to have that discussion. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I you know I think that'll be helpful for listeners. And I'm I want to I want to you and I have talked about it through the years, but now with a little distance and perspective, I, I'm I'm eager to to have that conversation. But let let's end on we, we got to get back to the LPJ hoodie just because. This has been this has been bubbling this inside of me, and it's like I think it's a fantastic cause. I think it's an it's an attractive piece of clothing. But if if I'm honest, like the assault of LPGA hoodie content has been a bit much for me. Like I don't need every single person in the world to post a photo of themselves wearing it, and of their boyfriend wearing it and unwrapping it from the package when it arrives like this is package when it arrived it was in a bag okay exactly that's what i'm talking about like um it's just i I don't know i I guess i'm just getting to be a curmudgeon but 
it's a good cause. I'm, I'm happy it's out in the world. I think I, I love the LPGA. I've supported it since the 90s. But can we just, can the hoodie go away? It's just, it's too much hoodie. <laughs> it's not a couple things. <laughs> One, I am, uh, I, I, and I do still battle it and I still struggle with it. Um, and you may hear me if I say something, 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 but no, but no, buts. Anytime someone says, but I completely disregard everything that they said prior to it. So when you said, I think it's a wonderful cause. I love it. I, this, that, but I'm like, I don't give shit what you said before that, but what you, what do you really mean? So, okay. So I'm going to call you out on that. And, and secondly, I mean, I can, I can appreciate that. You know, it's, um, at the same time, when you're trying to um, promote something and, and you want more eyes to see it, like you, you kind of have to. Like you, I, I understand the idea that you know you're being overly stimulated by the same exact thing over and over and over and over for a you know pretty short period of time. It's kind of like this is the flavor of the moment sort of thing, um, and you're like that's just way too much mint chocolate chip that's just that's just enough like let's just go with a spoonful at a time and maybe we'll have another spoonful next week but you know at the same time like that again like yeah you know i think there's you you said i might be a curmudgeon but and i'm actually going to take that butt i'm going to cross that butt out and i'm going to go curmudgeon and just put a period right there um i i i think that it's a it's a wonderful cause i think that Allowing, um, you know, Michelle to, to have some, uh, be able to use her artistry because again, like you had said earlier, she is an incredible artist. Like the, the, the things that she can paint and draw and the things that her mind is able to conjure up. Like I remember like, you know, she, she would like do her own nails. She would do her own lashes, things like that. Like all these like little itty bitsy, like artsy things, which I, I just absolutely love. Um, you know, I, I think it's wonderful and it's a way for her before, um, you know, again, this is talking about like the before times, like, you know, she was, she was playing every week almost and then was getting riddled with injury. And then, so she had tapered off some of her play and then obviously the pandemic happened and she got married. She had a, a beautiful baby girl, McKenna. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of nice because it's like a way for her to like reinsert a little bit, you know, just being like, Hey guys, I'm still here. I'm still, you know, massive supporter of the LPGA. I'm still coming back. I'm still going to be kicking your asses. So be prepared. But here's a gift for you. And let's raise some money for some pretty awesome causes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's funny because I hadn't been around her in a while until the media day at Olympic. And she does have still have that star quality. I mean, when she comes into the room, you know, you, you can feel it. And people start whispering and looking. I mean, there's you, there's very few players who have that uh, on, on any tour. So... Uh, let me just clarify that I hope she wins some more tournaments and I look forward to a new grading period. Uh, but uh, I'm glad I just, I feel unburdened. I had to, I had to get the, the hoodie thing off my chest. And I thank appreciate you for that. Me. And you did not sound like at no point did you make any sort of a, you know, you, you never inferred or, 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 or made any, any sort of way of me thinking that you thought her career was over by any means. Like you, I didn't, I didn't, that never came across to me. That being said, Good. I know you pretty well. So maybe, maybe <laughs> some of the listeners are like, dude, what a dick. So thank you for <laughs> clarifying that. 
I'm sure a lot of the listeners are thinking that, and that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, as you said, you got to be who you are. And You're not this... a dick, Alan. Stop trying to be a dick. Stop <laughs> trying to get people to say that you are a dick, okay? That's the only dick thing that you're doing. I'm not, no, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to get anyone to think that. But um, No, I'm kidding. This just happens organically. So. Yeah. All right, well... I think that's actually probably a good exclamation point on this episode. Uh, let's let's release our listeners back into the into the wild. But uh, this is fun as always, and we're gonna we'll bring it next time. And uh, I think we're gonna have a serious, sobering discussion, with, punctuated by um, the usual silliness. But um, I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, so I guess if this is the, the moment where we should we should we should pimp ourselves out and ask people if, if they're enjoying the podcast, they can rate it and they can subscribe. And they can. Oh, let me friends. let me do this. You sound like you, you sound like I'm asking you to like eat some raw Brussels sprouts. Okay, like if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a give it a good rating. There, there's up to five stars, so no pressure if you wanted to go. I mean, the five stars. It's like instead of having a count, just go all the way to the right click it you give us all five of those stars um leave us any reviews i did just open up an email account so if you guys have any thoughts any comments first of all i would say leave them in the reviews um and generally the apple itunes um or the apple podcast if you were to review it there that's probably the best place to do it but no buts caught myself that being said if you wanted to write us an email with any questions that you guys want us to answer because i'd love to do a little bit of a q a with every episode um you know any any thoughts on any particular guests you want to hear from because we are going to eventually start incorporating some guests as well the email address that you can contact alan and myself at is fullsendpod at gmail.com so again be sure to tell your friends about this like the episode give us a rating subscribe and I guess we all we can say is thank you. So on behalf of the old curmudgeon and myself, I want to thank you for listening to Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck. Right. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>